I won't ask you to stand again. Um, you feel free to stand if you like what's being said. That's fine, but no one's going to require of you to stand again. Luke chapter 1, beginning with verse 26. If you're there, say amen. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph to the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her. Okay, pause right there. Put your finger there. Be careful when you read the word of God that you don't just read it like a newspaper or for historical uh, facts. Put yourself in the story. So you're going about doing your business in the house or you're at work in your cubicle or you're cleaning and an angel appeared to you. That changes the dynamic, doesn't it? It's not like there's a knock at the door. Oh, it's an angel. Come on in. I'll, I'll be with you in just a minute. So the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying. Now, you also have to be careful with the King James Version. I study it. It's my favorite uh, because you can study the Hebrew and the Greek. But don't just say troubled and go, oh, she was troubled at the saying. No, she was troubled, disrupted, discombobulated, mouth dropped open. Not only that she's seeing an angel, but the angel is talking to her from the Lord. Said she was troubled, and she cast in her mind, which she molded over. What manner of salutation? What is this about? And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And you got to be careful with that. She didn't find it. She found it. She wasn't looking for it. God elected her. You are going to conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and you'll call his name Jesus. And he will be great, and he'll be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. And then Mary said unto the angel, How will this be, seeing I've never been with a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost will come upon you. The power of the high, Most High will overshadow you. And the thing that will be born of you shall be called the Son of God. And behold, your cousin Elizabeth, she has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. Be it unto me according to your word. You may be seated this morning. And if you would, just join with me as I pray for myself this morning. Lord, I just humble myself before you today. Uh, you know my down-sitting and my uprising. You know my weaknesses, my failures, my sins, my shortcomings, my immaturities, my idiosyncrasies. You know all of that. And I just present myself before you uh, with no trust in myself. But I, I ask that uh, you would use me this morning for your glory. Uh, make my lips the pen of a ready writer, O oh Lord. Let me speak with great clarity and power. For Lord, we, we long to hear from you. I know that's the heart's cry of many people here. We long to hear from you, O oh Lord, out of your book. Speak to us directly. 
to cause deep change that our lives might bring high grade, uh, uh, a more centralized effect for your glory, Lord, that our, our lives would count, that we would, it would be said of us that we fulfilled the will of God in our generation. I just feel that in my heart, Lord. May it be said of me that I feel fulfilled your will in my generation. And I thank you for this opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen. Much is said of the word chosen, election, predestined. Mary was chosen. God selected her to give birth to the Son of God. The Hebrews in Deuteronomy 14 said they were chosen. You are to be unto me a chosen people, a peculiar people set apart above, all, above, not distinct from, but above all the nations of the earth. What made a Gentile become an Israelite? God chose them. And they were his people. They are his people. And they shall forever be his people. Those that bless Israel bless the Lord. And those that curse Israel, curse the Lord. The Levites were chosen out of the group of Israelites. It said, and the priests, the sons of Levi in Deuteronomy 21 shall come near for the Lord thy God has chosen them to minister unto him. So here's the people of God and out of the people of God come a select group of other people of God and they're going to be priests. You have to understand that these choosings do not come by who jumps the highest and lifts their hands. It's before the foundation of the earth was laid, God had chosen. He chose Jerusalem. He had chosen Mary before she was born. He has chosen the Jews. He had chosen the Levites. In Jerusalem, I just said this, First Kings 11, Jerusalem, the city which I have chosen to put my name there. God said, I'm going to put my name on Jerusalem, not because the land, the topography, the geography, the, 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 the soil was better. He said, I've just chosen it. Zion was chosen. God desired it for his habitation. Psalms 132, 13. Okay, so you can go through the Bible. Moses was chosen to be the deliverer. Samuel was chosen as a little boy to be the prophet. David, the 12 disciples, Saul of Tarsus. And you can go on and on and on and say they were chosen. That don't bother us. That doesn't require anything of us. That's history. God had plans before the earth was laid. You know what troubles us? When you read in the Gospel of John that said, For you have not chosen me, but I've chosen you. And I've ordained you that you would bear fruit. You are chosen just as singularly, just as selectively, just as predeterminedly, if that's a word, predeterminedly, as anyone in the Word of God. If you believed that, if you see in their lives, the choosing didn't change them. It was the surrendering to the choosing that changed, changed them. Moses almost pulled out of being chosen. I can't go. I can't go. I'm of slow speech and I, I'm not gifted. Here, here I am, Lord, send Aaron. And there are people in this room today that are living out God's choosing 
There are some that used to live it out and are no longer living it out. There are others teetering between a life spent on self instead of invested in other people. And there are other people that have never considered the claims of God on their life. Listen to this. I have chosen you. For me to say it's one thing, you might go, well, okay. But what if God spoke audibly? I'm asking you without answering, what if God spoke audibly in this room right now and said, I have chosen you and called your name. If it would affect you more then than it does from the word of God, then you're one of those people moved by experience instead of by the truth of the word of God. I've chosen you. Every word is written, is indisputable, unchangeable. The eternal word of God. He said, I've chosen you. Listen to this. Individually, independently, separately, purposefully. You're a perfect match for what I created you to do. I've chosen you. And I've ordained you. I've appointed prepared, set in motion, cleared the way, empowered, made arrangements, and declared purposes and intentions over your life. Give me just a minute more here on the introduction and we'll hit the points very quickly. The choosing of the Lord, people mistake callings. They'll say, I'm called to be a youth pastor. I'm called to be a worship pastor. I'm called to be a senior pastor. I'm called to be a missionary. And I know what they're saying. But you need to understand this is more than just semantics. No, you're not. You have one calling unto God. One calling. I've called you out of darkness into my marvelous light. I've called you unto myself. You are mine. I've chosen you. And from that, the things we call callings are assignments. Ben has an assignment to lead in worship. Drew has an assignment for discipleship and to prepare for pastoring. We have assignments. And we somehow have found glory in the assignment instead of in the assignor. In the one that's called me. My dignity does not come because I pastor a local church. That's why I've never put my name on the sign. It's a small thing. I don't know if I've ever told you that. I just never have. I've never took the picture out front, you know, and it said, founded by in the year of the anointed John Wood in 1995 to present, and there's been none before him, and there will be none after him. <laughs> the truth is, I ought to be consumed because of my failures and my sins, but his grace is so great, and the forgiveness comes. My dignity does not come from what I do. My dignity comes from who I do it for. Yeah, well, you see that with me, but you're chosen. These 150 people that volunteered the other night, you saw popcorn. They saw the Lord. You saw cupcakes. They saw themselves bending down unto the least of these and preparing for them. See, service, the glory doesn't come on the platform. The glory comes from inside knowing that every cup of cold water I've given in his name, I'm going to be rewarded for, and I'm chosen. That's why whether I preach Teach, sing, serve, parking lot, sound, clean up. It doesn't matter because the dignity is not found in the task. The dignity is found in that I'm chosen. That's why there's supposed to be no big people in the church. There's the bishopric and the 
cardinals and the bishops and the popes and the pontiffs and, the, and then there's the lay people. You understand the difference between me and you is I'm up here. I just, this makes me better. You need to be freed from the tyranny of that lie. My dignity and your dignity brings us to even keel. You are chosen. You are chosen to help lead worship. Chosen. Chosen. The lady that teaches missionettes, and I'm going to labor it some more. You ought to carry yourself like the pastor of a 5,000-member church if you are fulfilling your assignment where you're chosen. In the, you're chosen for the prisons. You don't just pick it. We're chosen. There are people here that stepped off the platform because the Lord told them, I want you in your home and I've given you a new assignment. I know you did it for a decade, but I'm giving you a new assignment. I'm rewriting it. You are chosen and I'm assigning you to your babies. Raise them up in the fear of the Lord. Dignity comes from being chosen. Number one, being chosen is not a matter of your will, but God's. Being chosen has very little to do with you and a whole lot to do with God. You were chosen by an act of grace, not because of your giftedness. I hear people say, oh, I wish the Lord would save them. He could really use them. What? Oh, they're such a good speaker. Like being a good speaker in the world would make you a good speaker in the church. God doesn't look at giftedness. Before you were gifted, you were chosen has way more to do with God than you. See, we make everything man-focused instead of God-focused. You were chosen to be part of His story. It was not you who chose God to be a part of your story. God is my co-pilot. No, buddy, He's the pilot. He owns the plane and the hangar and the earth it sits on. See, I know it sounds funny. Or, oh, that's just twisting of word. No. You are being written into His story. You're not asking him to join you as the co-pilot of your story. I don't know if I'm dead on or some of y'all are just like, Lord, this is going to mess everything up. Oh, baby, we ain't even got there yet. Strap in turbulent weather just ahead. Your election has way more to do with God's purpose than it does your pleasure. God chose you. That's what makes it divine. Gabriel was sent by God unto Mary. That's what makes it fit. The Bible says, as for the Lord, his way is perfect. That's what makes his will blessed. It said, you are highly favored, blessed of the Lord, blessed among women. The Lord is with you. That's what makes his will possible. You shall conceive. Okay, so look at her assignment. The Lord is with you. Check. You are favored. Where'd the favor come from? Not because you are good and not because you are a virgin, but God chose you before you were a baby. He's chose you. The Lord is with you. And you're highly favored among women. Check. And you shall. Not maybe. Not might. Not hope so. Not if I get enough people to agree with me. You shall conceive. And when you start looking at your calling unto God, and when you start hearing words like shall, I felt God had called me to preach and in much fear and trembling, aware that I could not do it. And it's like, you shall be. You shall be. It's what makes it divine. It, it's what makes it blessed. It's what makes it possible. 
Somebody in this room, I knew this when I was preparing, that someone would be here today, and you're struggling with the idea of this assignment, or the possibility of assignment is way beyond you. Well, of course it is. Watch. We're, we're studying Mary today, and she's just a person. The thing God was asking her to do to bring forth the God-man through a womb, and she's never been with a man. Would you say that was a little past her? And some of us have been called to do something like, oh, Lord, I can't do that. A virgin having a baby, that pretty much ranks up there. Well, these things were written aforetime for our learning. That you would understand that the same God that called all of these people in the Old Testament and called Mary has called you and has special assignments. And if he's given you something impossible to do, then he'll give you the power to do the impossible. God will. This makes it personal. This being a matter of God's will, not yours. Listen, you shall conceive in your womb. Your calling, God's plans are personal. It's one thing to see what come from you. It's one thing to see what comes from you. It's one thing to see what comes from me. But when it comes from you, I see these moms and dads in the delivery room. When that baby comes out the womb of their wife, there are no words because it come from you. This thing born of you. And when your assignments, when your life plays out, there are things that come from you that make your being chosen personal. If the Lord tarries a bunch of years from now and I become the well, I was about to say become the white-headed guy. I'm already the white-headed guy. I used to have pepper with a little bit of salt. Now I just got salt with just a touch of pepper, you know, just on top. I'll be the guy on the front row, and they say, who's that? Oh, he started the church, but he won't know you. He just talks to you, you know. Just <laughs> but then you'll have your moments of lucidity, and I'll drive by this place or Dublin or downtown or Unadilla or Warner Robins or Galax, or Zebulun, and I'll see the name Christ Chapel. And you know what I'll think? That looks a little bit like me. It looks a lot like God, but it looks a little bit like me. That came from me. Do you have anything outside of your life that looks like you, that came from God? You have, there are people in this room that have raised babies that weren't theirs. You guys will have children come up to you when they're 16 and 17 and tell you, I remember every Sunday you told us about Jesus. And one's going to ask you, wait and see, did you get to go to church? Mm -mm. I gave up receiving so I could give to you. Why'd you do it? Did you just like children's ministry? Mm, I don't even like kids. No, I don't even like kids. No. <laughs> How many of you ever did something you didn't like? It just, what, what? So why'd you do it? He assigned me, and there was glory to it. And I see in you the traits that come from me. And see, eternity and the rewards in eternity are going to come not from what God did for you. The rewards in eternity are going to come from what you did for God by being chosen. Being chosen, it's personal. It's humbling. She said, I'm just a handmaiden. Be careful of pastors and evangelists and teachers and prophets and people that must be known by their titles. Be careful.
careful of those people. But put one hand on your wallet and the other hand around your wife. Be very careful of those people. You know what she's... Now, please catch it. You are going to give birth to the Son of God. Gabriel telling her, you are going to be the woman that Messiah comes through. Do you think she asked them to do for her what the Roman Catholic Church has done? Not at all. She said, I'm a handmaid. I'm a handmaid. You know how you know when you've seen that you're chosen? You don't take the high seat. You take the low seat. I just can't believe. I'm just a servant. I'm a maid. That's what she said. I'm a maid of the Lord. Tell me what to clean. It's humbling that God would use us. Are you humbled today? That you get to stand on a stage and hold a mic and sing the wondrous works of the Lord. You get to do things for God. He let you away with this attitude that the church is lucky that I serve. Quit. Please do us and God a favor. Quit. Do you realize we get to do things for the Lord and he'll accept it? Isn't that amazing? All right. Number two. Being chosen is very disruptive. Here we go. Being chosen distinguishes you. Living chosen disrupts you. Is it safe to say that when Gabriel appeared in her living room per se or wherever, he just made himself visible and he started telling her all of God's plans for her life, that this encounter was unexpected, uninvited, undesired? Or what do you mean it wasn't desired? It wasn't what she had planned. Because Joseph, see, Joseph's out. He's getting stuff ready for the wedding. And, you know, Joseph's a good old guy. And when she comes home, she goes, uh... You know, uh, sit down, buddy. Sit down. I got to talk to you. You know, we're engaged. Yeah, and we, we talked about the, our first boy and what you're going to name him all. Freeze all that, okay? Stop all that. Uh, I'm, I'm going to have a baby, and it's not going to be yours. What? Yeah, yeah, I know. And it's going to be Messiah, the one prophesied for thousands of years. What? Yeah, and, and you know, when I start to swell and everyone asks, why are you pregnant? You're not married yet. And they're going to look at you and then you're going to say, he ain't mine. And we're going to be, it's not real. It's not what we scripted. And you need to know this from your pastor. Regardless of how it fits. I want to tell you, I was born to do this. Regardless how it fits. It ain't what you would choose. To live chosen God takes the salad tongs and does word salad with your life. Oh, yeah, well, I'm going to go get the doctor. Oh, you're going to get a doctorate. Oh. <laughs> there are women in this room that have raised babies that are more educated than all the educated people in here, and they never got to do it. You know why? God said, go home. Go home. What plans do you have? Well, I was planning on... Oh, you you're going to be pregnant at 19. You don't even know it. You're just going to have a baby. You're going to find, fall in love. And I ain't going to fall in love. I don't need no man to complete me. And like, I love him. I love him. And God's just going to move it all up. <laughs> Mary's encounter was undesired. It brought with it an impossible situation. An impossible mission. It brought to the surface very troubling questions. How can this be? How can I be a pastor? How can I be a missionary? How am I going to, here you go. Who in here, don't raise your hands. How can I shift gears this late in life? How can I do this? 
Mary is a type of every believer that's chosen. Because when you're chosen and you're given assignments, there's the, how can I do that? See, you don't, you don't believe this, but it's true. You know as much about pioneering a church as I do. I felt the Lord speak to me about pioneering a church. Uh, okay, so we rented a little building and, you know, now open. <laughs> Y'all come on. I didn't know what to do. No demographic study, no dream team, no meetings. I just like put a little, okay. We put one ad in the paper about that big, and it said, coming to your neighborhood. And I'm thinking they're just going to run in. They didn't run in. <laughs> so what's your impossible situation? That doesn't determine whether the assignment will come to pass or not. All you have to do is be surrendered to the assignment and say, my life is no longer my life. My life is your life. And when someone gives their life to God, it is possible for a virgin to conceive. Power's released. The angel said, he was saying what God told him to say. And then there's this part you wonder if he just said it or the Lord said it. He said, the Lord sent me and you're going to conceive and you're going to bring forth a son and they're going to call his name Jesus and so on. And he goes, and nothing shall be impossible with God. You know, your cousin Elizabeth that everybody said can't have a baby. She's six months pregnant. I wonder if the angel just added that part. And with God, nothing's impossible. Nothing's impossible. This disruption highlighted her inadequacy. And highlighted her inability to perform what was necessary. Do you understand this morning that what God asked her to do, she could not do? But she did. What is God asking you to do that you cannot do? Are you willing to open your home back up after you've raised your babies because somebody doesn't have a daddy? Are you willing Got all these retirement plans. I know. Listen, y'all ain't told me the truth about raising these babies. I'm hitting, I'm hitting new stuff every day. Y'all ain't told me nothing. Y'all just, oh, bless him, Lord. Watch, watch. And I'm on a journey. But I'm watching y'all. And you love your babies. You die for them. And you go, I got one more. And they'll be gone in two years. <laughs> Jesus, take the wheel and lock me in the trunk. Two years. And I'm thinking, why are you so eager for them to get out? And say, you don't know yet, buddy. You don't know. You don't know. Because that sweet little two-and-a-half-year-old is going to turn into a teenager. And you ain't smoked in your whole life, and you're going to be <laughs> looking for viceroys. <laughs> Just wear it. Y'all, them's old ones. Them's old. No filter. <laughs> so what do you do when you've got your plan of retirement? And the Lord says, I want you and your wife to go be the couple at the home. And I want you to be a mom and daddy for these babies. You are going to hit crossroads where your plans and God's chosenness, God's plan collide. And listen to me. Listen to me. I love you this morning. One of them is going to win. And most people, their plans win. That's why they lead self-centered self-absorbed, and eternally insignificant lives. It is very significant here because being a dad and a mom in itself, separate from Jesus, is significant. But the eternal significance is found in bowing our knee to the Lord Jesus Christ and saying, I am your maid. What do you want me to do? I had no plans of having babies at 50 years old. 
None. I'd raised Jimmy. Jimmy was 31. And then this opportunity to bring home these two little girls wasn't, wasn't thought about, wasn't planned, none, none of those things. And then Kelly says, it's the greatest thing you never knew you wanted. I'm like, yes. Now, I'm not sure yet if it's going to keep me young or kill me. But if I did die, it would probably be from my heart melting. I get the privilege of going to work, and my little girl runs to the door, and she said, Daddy, don't weave. I'm like, well, Drew and them can handle it at the office, baby. Come here. <laughs> Are you open to Gabriel stepping into your life? Probably won't happen. But you know what will happen? still small voice will say I'm not done I've chosen you will you go will you stay will you serve the seniors will you do this for me it's just a small assignment will you do it it's going to disrupt it's going to bring to the surface your inadequacies it's going to bring to the surface your limitations and you're going to look vulnerable and silly at times but will you do this for me Fear not, Mary. Here's what gives us confidence to answer the assignment. Fear not. Stop. Well, I am afraid. How do, I, how do you pastor? How do you? Fear not. You found favor with God. How? Beats all we angels have ever seen. I don't know. But there's something about you that God really likes. And you know how your little girl moves you? You move the Lord that way. Because before you were born, he knit you together. In your mother's womb. And he said, John's going to have a sense of humor. Very few people will think it's funny. But he's going to have one. And he's going to be uneducated and inarticulate. And English majors are going to cringe when he preaches. But he doesn't know better. But he's got good heart. And he's going to do these things. And what gives us courage is that God loves us. Can you imagine if my little girl got up to sing and never hit a note? And y'all are going, American Idol over here, watch this. And I'm thinking, that is the most beautiful thing I've ever heard in my life. Watch, watch. Because relationship changes your filter. God delights in what we do because he delights in us. Prepare to be disruptive. Oh, and by the way, God didn't want to just alter Mary's plans. He wanted to rewrite the whole story. God makes little changes in people who give him little room. You give God the keys, he's going to throw your GPS out the window. All your pre-programmed destinations where you like, he goes, what's this? Well, that's what I thought we, whoa. He goes, you ready? Let's do this. Number three, very quickly. Living chosen requires that you follow God's path. A predetermined path. I'm just going to read these quickly for time's sake. You can go online and write them down. A narrow path. You can't mix what you want, what God wants. And there'll be much blessing, but he gets to choose. Narrow path. An exclusive path. Have you ever heard a preacher say this? Well, if you don't do it, God will find somebody else. That is not in no Bible. He made you, specifically you, and you will agree there's none like you anywhere else. That spouse just looked over and go, that's the truth. Lord, 
preach. None like you. You're the only one like you. Now, my, I would submit to you that any creator, any inventor, when he makes something, he makes it for a specific purpose. An inventor didn't just make something and go, this is a thingamajiggy. I don't know what it is, but I think it ought to be worth $29.95. Take it home. No, but if it's an electric knife, he goes, plug it in, Clarence, watch this. Oh, oh, cuts turkey. goes, that's valuable. Why? It finds its value not in its casing, but when it matches its purpose. And if there's only one like you, then there's a specific purpose that only you can do. And if you don't do it, it remains undone. Don't tell me someone else just comes up and takes the slack. He said, many are called and few are chosen. He sends them out, but they don't go. That's why he goes back into the field. Pray the Lord of the harvest that he'll send more workers because people aren't. They live for themselves. It's an exclusive path. It's a progressive path. When you follow God's will for your life, it's more unraveled than it is just laid out in a blueprint. It's like it, it just unravels piece by piece. At times, it's a confusing path. Did I hear God right? How can this be? How will it happen? I never heard of anything like this before. Who's that for? Don't, don't raise your hand. But when Mary heard that she was going to bring forth a baby, Jesus the Lord, as a virgin, she said, I've never heard of this before. I wonder if there's anybody here that God's asking you to do something you ain't never heard of people doing before, but you would swear it's him. You just feel like it's his voice for you. It can be a painful path. Mary paid very highly to be the mother of Jesus. You may pay loneliness, misunderstanding. They called her, I'm sure they called her horrible names. About that God baby, she's sleeping around. And you know, you got to make yourself available to people maligning you and misunderstanding you. Opposition, rejection, persecution. This path is hard for you to explain. And it's even harder for someone to understand. A path when looking forward is unrecognizable, but when looking back, it's unmistakable. It's a proven path, a rewarding path. Oh, could I just give you one commercial about my walk with the Lord? I wouldn't change none of it. None of it. Because it's a path with no regrets. I don't have any confidence in me. But I believe the one that started the work in me is going to perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And all I got to do is say, yes. Will you go? Yes. How are you going to do it? Don't know. Yes. When this $10 million building came available, I remember standing in this room. It was all empty. And I looked up in that corner. I said, Father, you giving me this building? We had $200,000 in the bank. We weren't a prime candidate. You giving me this building? And it just fell together. And somebody just decided to give us $5 million. And they ain't in here. It's all us poor people. How did it happen? All he wants is the yes. Is there difficulty along the way? Twenty, Yes. 20 years? Yes. Disappointment? Yes. I want to be a commercial for you and tell you, no regrets. No regrets. Would you do it all over again? Hesitantly, yes. Now, why would you say hesitantly? Because it's hard. To give someone else the keys to your life and say, drive it wherever you will, that's hard. Papa, husband, be careful when you preach submission to your wife. That's hard. It's hard to submit to a perfect Lord. 
much less an imperfect man. Oh, never mind. I'm sorry. That, that's hard. To live chosen, you must follow God's path. It'll bring about great change. If you, if you surrender to God's choosing, it will change you divinely, systematically, and thoroughly. It'll free you by, ca- by, causing, by causing you to die to yourself. Self-exaltation, self-preservation, self-serving, and self-centeredness. You, you can't live out God's path and be me-oriented. You have to let God take care of you. Okay, I'm just going to hit this very quickly. Probably one of the greatest wounds in my life that could happen, hasn't happened, but could, is if I saw my wife or my children, as they become older and they can understand, huddled in a corner, weeping, and I said, what is wrong? They're surprised to see me, and they said, what? I said, what's wrong? We're just afraid that you're not going to take care of us. What? We just think you wouldn't consider what we need and what we want. Is there any greater assault to the character of a man than he wouldn't take care of his family based upon his limitations? God with no limitations is saying, you really, really struggle with letting me lead? Thinking I wouldn't take care of you and give you joy and fulfillment and all these things? He said, yeah, that's why I'm so hesitant to live surrendered. God wants us to be willing to let Him change our lives without checking with us. Change direction. Change area. Change what it looks like, how it feels, all of your plans. And that yes is the rewardable, the rewardable form of worship in eternity. Every time you say, not my will, but your will be done. What that means is your will is collided with His will and you lay down your will so His can be manifested. And finally, living chosen results in God's glory in your life. When Mary said, be it unto me according to your word, glory flowed from her life and still to this day. You, God has planned for you to leave a legacy of glory. I'm going to prove it to you in just a minute. Glory. Don't think big. Don't think small. Glory. Think glory. In the same way, it's like saying it was a lot of nuclear waste, radiation, or a little bit. A little dab will do you. You don't need but a little bit. The issue is not how big was your legacy. It's how powerful is your legacy. Does it carry eternal glory with it? Because it'll never die. The things that you receive reward for in heaven will never die. And our reward is not based upon our fruit. Like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. We're rewarded for the deeds done in our body. Every act of service, every giving, every kindness. Ben, if you had come this morning, please. This is very important because if you miss this part, you're going to miss the emphasis. This ties it all together. Say, why would you take that piece of paper out of your notebook? Because it's floppy. It's hard to hold when it's floppy. Will you do me a favor? We'll spend five minutes here. Oh, by the way, Scott, good to see you and your bride today. Would you do me a favor? And I want you to look at your life and put an equal parallel to Mary's life and see if any of these expectations, 
or parallels are contrary to Scripture. If they are, abort them. But I'm just going. So Mary, chosen. Uh, Moses, chosen. David, chosen. And God said, I've chosen you and I've ordained you that you would bear much fruit, which means works, not fruit of the Spirit, works. Okay, watch. How is God going to do in your life what he wants to do? The Holy Ghost shall come upon you and the power of the Most High shall overshadow you. God is going to speak to you, speak over you, or let you in on his plans for your life. It may be desires. It may be burdens. It may be dreams. I had a little 11-year-old boy ask me one day. He said, Pastor, Mr. John, when can I go to church with you? And before cell phones, I had a little daytimer. And I said, uh, when? I can take you to church in three months. And when I told that little boy that, something in me died. And I said, I'll take you Sunday. And I walked inside my wife was in the room. I said, baby, we're starting a church. She said, well, I said, I got to take that little boy to church. Burden. All of it. God was letting me in on it. Now, what do I know about starting a church? What do you know about starting a church? You just, you just feel it. And see, God let Mary in on her plan. I got a plan for you. I got a plan for you. I got a plan for you. And she said, oh, okay. How? Well, the power of God's going to come on you. And he's going to overshadow you. Now watch, watch. And I'm going to place my seed inside of you. And it's going to grow. It's going to be all you think about. For that mama that your life is too small just to raise your babies. You're going to bring them in. Five, six, seven. Bring them in. Adopt them. Bring them in. Bring them in. Do you know there are businessmen in here that feel guilty because they're not a preacher or a teacher or a pastor? And you're successful. You're good with money. And you know what? I've, I've talked to them. I've never, I've never, never asked them for their resources. There's a buddy of mine here that he believes God's told him that he's going to be a multi, multi-millionaire. And he said, you know why, John? I want to be able to write a check and do in one moment what it may take a church five years to raise. You know what God's asking you to do by burden. Everybody can't teach, but everybody can't write the check. And don't let a preacher manipulate it out of you. Just let it come from inside of you. Say, I want to do this for the glory of the Lord. I want to do this for the glory of the Lord. It starts as a seed. It is your responsibility to carry it full term. Mary had to carry it. And Mary had to have the strength enough to bring it forth. You must be committed to stick to it. To stick to what you bring into existence. That's one of the reasons I've hung around here 20 years. To raise this baby. Same with you. There may be many surprises along the way. Surprises to you, but not to God. Everything will happen right on time, right the way God has purposed. The thing being formed in you will forever be a part of you. Not everyone will acknowledge, accept, receive, and or appreciate what it is that comes from you. But God will be pleased. And like Jesus, it will be backed by heaven's authority, anointed by the Holy Spirit, and will break the yoke and chains from other people's lives. And in the end, you may have to let it go. I may one day have to let go of this, but I'll never lose it because it's written in my story. Everything that God does can never die. And His perfect will 
is enthroned with Him as He sits as King of kings and Lord of lords in your life. So you say, well, Pastor John, how, how, do, you, how do you make it happen? If you, from your heart, sincerely say, I am yours, be it unto me according to your word, then He sets in motion the things that are necessary. And if you don't abort it, you watch. I waited all week to tell you this. You get to bring Jesus to others. What did Mary do? She brought Jesus to others. Whether it's through kids or worship or giving or teaching or praying or intercession or youth pastor or college pastor, that thing born in you Loving on a child that doesn't have a daddy is showing Jesus through you to others. And then you let it go. We don't own the ministry. We don't own the ministry. We just birth it. We just birth it. I know this is kind of a different Christmas message. But I needed to tell you this morning that you're chosen. What will you do with that? Will you say, be it unto me according to your word? If you do, you're in for the ride of your life. No regrets. No regrets. This is what I feel in my heart. I feel we're supposed to just stand before him because he, he sees everything anyway. And let your words be few this morning. But if this is your heart, just tell him, I'm yours, Lord. I'm yours. Would you all stand with me this morning? This is not time to be looking around or talking. It's just you and God.
bend just once more. Nobody looking around. I believe there are people in here for the first time in your life. You're God's, no doubt about it. But you're saying, okay, Lord, all the pieces to the puzzle, I give it to you today. And there are other people, you were on assignment, and for whatever reason, that stopped. And you're re-enlisting. You said, I give you my life. Not a period of my life, not a window, but my life. And if that's you, God will receive it. He'll take it from you this morning. Let them see you in May. Let them hear you when I speak. Let them feel you when I sing. Let them see you. Just let them see you in May. Thank you, Lord. God, I really don't even know how to do it except the way that I've did it before. I just give you my life. The broken places, the double-minded places, the fickle places, the places that I think are gifted, the weak places. God, just somehow use us, our lives, that we could carry Jesus to other people. Be it unto us, Lord, according to your word. For the glory of your Son, let our lives shout the fame of the Son of God. For your glory's sake, let us hear on that day, well done. You were good and faithful. Lord, I ask you for it. We submit ourselves as, as, as much as we know how. Those of us that are middle-aged and older, away with the idea that we're done and we can coast. Instead of retiring, we retread this morning. Use us up, Lord. Use the last years for your glory. And we thank you in advance that you're going to have your way. Lord, be with us this week as we enjoy our families. We reach out to those that are hurting and lonely. And we bless other people with the good news of Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, Before you leave, guys... If you give me five minutes, we're done. If every guy here, we need to put our chairs on the dollies because Jay's Hope is going to fill this room with tables and they're going to serve those families. There'll be about 500 people here. So if every guy, don't stack them in piles for us yet. Stack them on the dollies. That'll make it easier for us. Thank you. Have a wonderful Lord's Day. God bless you.